With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, back at the Browns facility, sitting outside, not in the grass today, on a picnic table. Uh, the Browns, a couple hours ago, released their 53-man roster, their initial 53-man roster. I think I want to start here. We can get into some other stuff on the roster. But look, people love talking about Cade York, so let's talk a little more Cade York. Mary Kay, you reported this. Kevin Stefanski endorsed the idea today when we heard from him that Cade York could be back on the practice squad. My question is, is that a good idea to have Cade York back on the practice squad? Do you think that that can work? Well, it can work if he kicks his way out of his slump and we stop having to ask him about missed kicks because that is taking this to a place where no one's happy right now. So, if that part of it can end and he can get back to uh, becoming the accurate kicker that the Browns thought that they drafted in the fourth round out of LSU, I do think that he can flip the script, the Browns can flip the script, and perhaps he can go on to a long and successful career, possibly even with the Cleveland Browns. So I have seen stranger things happen, but it this can't have a happy ending if he's going to be going out there and missing game-winning kicks because he's still going to get frustrated with getting asked the questions and you know it's just going to go south if that happens. So that's the benefit right if he's on the practice squad he's on the practice squad we're not going to talk to him we're not gonna you know I guess maybe we talk to him one time to see hey you got cut what'd you think of it but like we're not going to talk to him anymore that's it he just becomes a practice squad guy but I, I guess I'm trying to figure out how this plays out, Ashley. Like, so he's on the practice squad. Is he like the kicker next year? And then how do you? Know. How can you still trust him until you see him kick in games? I guess there would be a competition, or maybe they set it up like Cameron Dicker and Dustin Hopkins this year. It'll be Dustin, <laughs> Dustin Hopkins, Hopkins and Cade York. York next year. Like, you see him kick in the preseason. I'm just trying to figure out how this how this becomes we trust Cade York to be the Browns kicker again. Yeah, I actually don't hate that idea. Like, because, and this might be an unpopular opinion amongst maybe fans right now who are just, I think, understandably frustrated with how Cade has played. But Mary Kay said it, I wrote it in my column yesterday on Cade. Like, I do still think Cade is going to be a good NFL kicker. Like, I think it's just going to take him time to get out of this. I mean, I think you see this happen a lot with kickers. Like, Daniel Carlson is just one example, right? Like, Phil Dawson's another example. These good guys that get cut early in their career and it turns a switch in them 
and it helps make them in some way more consistent. They do things differently, whatever. I do still think that's a possibility with Cade. I don't think his whole career should be written off. Um, I do, I'm, I'm wondering if that would make things better or worse for him. I think it was a mistake to not bring in competition for him these last two years. I think from talking to him, maybe it would have helped him focus on something else or something a bit differently. Um, the flip side of that is you run the risk of it, you know, mentally hindering a young player if they have somebody breathing down their neck. But I, I don't hate this idea of just giving him some time, get back to kicking, get back out of the spotlight. I think ever since he made that 58-yard kick, I think we had a discussion about this sometime towards the end of the season last year. Maybe that was like one of the worst possible things that could have happened to him, which is Crazy to say in hindsight, but I think ever since then, that make only magnified the misses for me. So I think if we can get him out of the spotlight, just get back to the craft, um, get back to what made him so good in college, get him through this rough patch, there's potential there. I think it's all about what's his attitude going to be if he comes back here to the team that just cut him. Um, and if I think the route to go then would be some kind of competition next year. Yeah, I mean, maybe we did stumble upon the solution. Like, it is just let Dustin Hopkins handle it this year and then let the two kick it out next year. And, of course, this is all assuming that he doesn't get claimed. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because maybe by the time some people hear this on Tuesday, it maybe ends up getting claimed by somebody and it's not even an option to come back. But, um, like, I, I guess that could be the path, kind of make him the underdog, make him the guy that now, instead of being handed the job, Mary Kay, he's got to go earn the job. And that does change your mentality a little bit. Yes, I, I do understand exactly what you're saying there. Um, but the thing that I'm curious about is sometimes when a player gets cut by a team that drafted him and it gives the illusion that they are completely giving up on you and they don't believe in you anymore, uh, sometimes a change of scenery is in order and you don't want to come crawling back like with your tail between your legs and go beyond the practice squad when you were a fourth round pick out of LSU that was supposed to come in with a big leg and be the Browns' Evan McPherson, right? So honestly, I don't know if he would sign back here to the Browns' practice squad if he has a chance to go somewhere else. I almost think that, uh, you know, that he might want a change of scenery. We saw him, once again, we talked about this. I don't think we're making too much of it. He snapped at a reporter uh, in the locker room after, after the game. That is a sign of, you know, frustration, you know, whatever, whatever else. It's just, you know, showing that there's, a, you know, a mental toughness that you're not exhibiting in that moment. Um, then you've got the, the ghost of Phil Dawson that we've talked about this, that he did not really, really like to hear about that at all. And you've got a bad weather situation to kick in in Cleveland. So if you can go find a place to kick where you don't have any of those things to deal with, you know, might be good. you might want to go find yourself a change of scenery. So even though they want him back, I don't know if he'll want to come back. Houston Texans. There you go. And then on Christmas Eve, Perfect. it'll be Cade York versus the Cleveland Browns. It'll give us something to follow while we're sitting there 
uh, trying to, well, I guess we'll be warm in Houston. I guess we won't yeah. be in Cleveland. So there we go. Uh, okay, let's go through this 53-man roster, and let's just look at some of the key positions where, where there's some things to talk about. And I think the first place to start is wide receiver. Uh, and I think the first guy to start with is one of the most newsworthy guys of the day. Uh, Kevin Stefanski said this was going to happen on Sunday on his Zoom call. And it happened today, Marquise Goodwin back on the practice field for the Browns and one of the six receivers to make the initial 53-man roster. You know, we, we said it on our video, Mary Kay, this is just one of those stories that you can't help but, but just feel really good about it. Yes, Marquise Goodwin is an amazing feel-good story. I watched him every single day at the Greenbrier Sports Complex. He was down there inspiring his teammates dancing, singing, laughing, having a grand old time, and you would never know that he had been diagnosed with blood clots and that he had no idea if he was going to be playing football again or not. Now, he says he always believed that he would be back, and he even thinks that he will be ready for the opener. Um, but he was just a joy to watch throughout the entire preseason. I watched him mentor the young guys like Cedric Tillman. They hung on his every word. Uh, and yes, to see him out there practicing today, it was very inspirational. Yeah, and you know, one of those guys, Ashley, every time I would talk to a young receiver or we'd hear from a young receiver in a press conference, Marquise Goodwin's name was the first name to come up as a guy that mentored them, a guy we're going to talk about here soon, Austin Watkins. His cousin, Sammy, has a relationship with Marquise, and so Marquise kind of took him under his wing. Um, so even... You know, Kevin complimented him today on being so engaged and saying he'd never seen a player that engaged and that locked in who wasn't practicing. Um, so just that's what a veteran is supposed to be. And he's delivering on that. And then potentially week one, we get to see some of that that world class speed, too. Yeah. And I just think like you so hear the respect that his teammates have for him. I mean, when I talked to David Bell last week on the last day of training camp, I, I included this in my David Bell story because I thought it was such a fun little anecdote. He was like talking about Marquise and I'm like oh what's it been like being his teammate he's like I used to play with him on Madden all the time and like it's true like you know for those guys these young like 20 something receivers that like Seahawks team was like a really popular I guess uh team to play as on Madden and and he said that that was like his favorite receiver to play with at one point and I think like Marquise is a case of like these guys meet him and he more than I think lives up to the hype around him and the way he is as a teammate and he's never down no matter what he's facing individually um no matter what the team is facing he just was always there. I know Mary Kay wrote it like this in his story. He's always smiling, dancing on the sidelines. Like it is such, he's such a good feels good story in general, I think in his life. And I think with a guy like that, you know, there's no part of that that's phony because you feel like the genuine respect and the way that the young receivers in that room look up to him. And then you see what he can do on the field with his speed too. Okay. So we're going to stay in the wide receiver room. Uh, this maybe is the most interesting group here just because probably for this discussion, Austin Watkins, not here, potentially back on the practice squad. David Bell is here. No surprise. Mary Kay's been telling me that going all <laughs> the way back to the spring. No shocker. I was even talked into it. I had him on my 53-man roster that I did Monday morning. Um, but David Bell over Austin Watkins is going to be something Browns fans discuss. It's going to be a sports talk topic. On It probably already is, and it probably will be. You know, Ken and Anthony are going to be talking about it on you know, Wednesday morning, I'm sure they'll be getting tons of calls. So 
Mary Kay, why David Bell over Austin Watkins? Why, why was this decision ultimately made? Well, when you put together a wide receiver room, one of the things that you really want to do is have an eclectic mix of guys in the room. So you have to have some speed. You have to have some guys that can make the contested catch. You have to have some guys that can get separation, some guys that can run their routes. You've got to have some excellent hands. Train in the background here, Maria. <laughs> You know, once again, there's a mix of sizes, too, and other responsibilities. So when you look at Austin Watkins, what you find is a player that in some ways resembles other things they already have on the roster. He's got the same size as a said Tillman. So said is your big body guy. They're both 6'3", around 2'10", 215. So you've already got said doing that. So if you have said playing that role, then what is Austin Watkins going to do on game day? Well, he's not going to return kicks for you. He's not going to return punts for you. So when you ask yourself, what right now is he going to do to help us? There wasn't going to be a niche for him. There wasn't a role for him. So that's why he's not on the team right now. Do they not like him? No, they really, really like him. And they're very happy with what he did. Um, but we've seen other receivers like this in training camp. They're the, you know, the star of preseason. And then they kind of have to find their way onto an NFL roster. So if they can get him back onto the practice squad, they absolutely want to do that. They like so much about him. But that was the key. David Bell is a completely different kind of receiver than Austin Watkins. So it's not an apples-to-apples comparison there. You've got David Bell as your smaller, sort of shiftier slot guy. That's not Austin Watkins. So... It really was a matter of, could he give you something to do on game day? And right now, the role wasn't there for him. Yeah, and the, look, I can make the argument, I don't know what David Bell is going to do on game day, necessarily, um, or what, like what the difference is. But the thing about Austin Watkins is, this is a guy that like didn't even know how to be a pro 10 months ago. Like, he was, you know, when I talked to him after he landed in San Francisco, like, he didn't look at his playbook. Like he he went to Canada and he didn't want to be in Canada because he didn't like the vibes there. Like this is a guy that still needs to learn how to be a pro, and you're just going to hand him a job. I you know I don't know. I th- I think it's okay that you put him on the practice squad, get him in an environment where he can learn that, where he understands, you know, where he's around guys like Marquise Goodwin and Amari Cooper, and he's got to earn it a little bit. It's not just handed to him. And the reality is. Look, if David Bell doesn't catch everything that comes his way, they can make that switch. They aren't tied to this necessarily. They, you know, they can. This roster is fluid, and if Austin Watkins shows that he can help you on game days, then you can change it out if you want to. Whether that's with David Bell or somebody else, so I don't mind this because just because a guy looked great in the preseason doesn't mean that he's ready to be a player for you on Sundays. I think, too, like with David Bell, like at least they know already he's been here a year. He can play in the slot. Like if something happens to Elijah, you can put him in there. He's obviously a different player. He, I think, needs to show more reps that his hands are as reliable as they were in college. But I also think, too, there's a certain like mentality about David Bell that like I got from talking to him. And I remember when we talked to Andrew Berry in the spring after the draft and he was talking about like, you know, players like David Bell, like Anthony Schwartz, they have to welcome that competition in the room on their own team. And otherwise, that's not for you. The NFL is not for you. I mean, 
Um, and my whole conversation with David was basically him like acknowledging that and being like, I've been competing since I was in high school. I am not scared off by this competition in this room. I know what I can do well. I know what I need to get better at. And I do think there is something to have a young receiver who's like trying to be like that sponge to soak things up and maybe does have some experience with this quarterback in this system already. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. I think the most interesting thing here is uh, two undrafted players did make it. Uh, Mohamed Diabate and uh, Ronnie Hickman. So two undrafted players make it. I will say we had that on the Orange and Brown Talk 53-man roster. We had five safeties, and we had Diabate making it. Um, So for everyone who's upset that Austin Watkins didn't make it, I mean, Mary Kay, this is an example of two guys whose performance on the field kind of forced the Browns' hand and they're on the roster now. Yes, absolutely. And the difference, the major difference between Austin Watkins and uh, Mahmoud Diabate. Diabate. Yes. Um, now we really have to make sure. I'm we, so we can thrown up. I like. I was getting it right, and then I stopped. <laughs> and then Peter John Baptiste today was like, "Wait, how did you pronounce it?" And I'm like, "Shoot, I thought I had it right, and I didn't." <laughs> so that has been my journey today. I'm not confident I'm going to say it right in 30 seconds either. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it took me a while to get Okoronkwo, yep. um, but I got there. So, you know, we will get there with... Uh, we used to only have to spell these names, yeah. and now we have to say them. It's yeah. not fair. Yes. Um, but the thing is, those guys excel on special teams. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before. In the same way that the Browns have been very welcoming to Jim Schwartz and making sure that they're giving him lots of talent to work with on his new defense... They're trying to do the same thing for Bubba Ventral. And Bubba has a large say in who's going to end up on his special teams. And these are two young guys that are really going to help him a lot. As as are some of these other guys, too, like Mike Ford and Matt Adams. That's why, you know, those guys are on this football team, too, because they are going to make that huge impact on special teams. So that was the thing with these two guys. And, you know... D'Anthony Bell still made the team. So they've got a lot of like really good young guys that are going to go out there and they're going to help their new special teams coordinator, Bubba Ventrone, keep those special teams up in the upper echelons of the NFL like he has for the last five years. Mary Kay, you wrote it in one of your like 15 posts that you put up today that D'Anthony Bell is like the Browns' best special teamer. Mm-hmm. I know Mike Prefer believed that, and Ashley, it seems like Bubba Ventrone believes that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, like we said too, I think it was so important for them to keep those five safeties around just for depth when you want to play three safeties. It's a position group that's a little bit prone to injury. Um, but I think too, it's important to kind of have that guy on special teams that carries over that can bring that energy that can make plays I mean we've seen DeAnthony Bell 
make plays for special teams. So I think it's important to give Bubba that as you're trying to keep revamping that unit to kind of have some of the holdovers that performed really well in years past. Okay, so before we go, Mary Kay, you've been doing a lot of reporting on this. Who are the guys, Austin Watkins is one of them, but who are some of the other guys that that Browns fans can expect to maybe be back in some form or fashion, you know, between now at, what time is it, Uh, 7.40 on Tuesday and about this time tomorrow on Wednesday? Well, I've been working the phones a lot over the last couple of days. And some of the people that I talk to, um, you know, that's why I kind of have an inkling that, Maybe some guys might want a change of scenery. Some guys might want to move on a little bit. So even though the Browns are going to want them back, if they have other opportunities, getting cut by the Cleveland Browns might inspire them to want to go somewhere else. But um, here are some of the things that you can expect to happen over the next couple of days. Austin Watkins, I think he'll be back here. This was not a thing where his feelings probably his feelings were probably not hurt. I think the only way he's not back is if somebody really liked what he did in the preseason and they're like, this guy can play for us, and they claim him tomorrow. That could very well happen, so that's one thing to watch. Um, Isaiah Thomas, I know they want Isaiah Thomas back. I think it's a matter of, is Isaiah Thomas, is he going to get claimed? Because he showed he has some merit. Uh, you know, there was too much depth here at, at defensive end, so he got caught up in the numbers game. Somebody else might look at him and say, we think he can help us. So, uh, but he's somebody that they would like to have back. He's another one where, um, you know, there is a chance where, you know, he might want to go somewhere else because his team just cut it. And you'll have to see how some of that goes. Um, there are a couple of other guys that, um, you know, that did not make the 53 today. Demetric Felton didn't make the 53. Um, they tried to move him. They really tried to get something in return for him. Wasn't able to happen. Um, so he's somebody that could possibly come back on the practice squad or he could find a change of scenery as well. I think there's a chance that he could end up somewhere else, even as a returner. So he could get claimed. Um, and then Jalen Darden, he's been injured. So I don't know that anybody would pick him up right now, claim him and put him on their 53. Um, and he's someone that I know the Browns would like to have back. Uh, there's a couple of guys, as we have been talking about, that were more bookkeeping moves. Everybody wondered, why are they cutting Michael Dunn? <laughs> and as I said, it's not a done deal. Relax, everyone. He's coming back. Uh, he's, we're probably going to see him drive in here tonight while we're outside. Does, does this mean that the guy that tweeted at me that Michael Dunn was not a lock for the roster, that that guy was the one who was actually wrong? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, because Michael Dunn was a lock for the roster, but he was just one of those guys that they were able to, you know, kind of finagle a little bit. Remember I I mentioned that the other day, that, hey, maybe Anthony Walker's somebody that you could do that with just because I know he's just such a great guy and maybe he would be willing to, you know, just jump off the roster for a day and jump back on. But that's happening with Michael Dunn, and it's happening with Mo Hurst. Mo Hurst is going to come back. Again, if we stay here long enough taping this pod, we will see (laughs) Michael Dunn and Maurice Hurst coming in with bags of fast food. So... Yes, they're coming back, and nobody has to miss them. We all watched Mo have a really nice preseason, right? Every time we looked out there, there's Mo. A lot of times working with the ones, making plays. Same thing with Michael Dunn. He has started 28 games over the last three years. We knew he wasn't going anywhere. You can't fool us. So they will be back when some guys go on IR. Now, the question is, who is going on IR besides linebacker Jordan Kunashik? 
That's what I wonder. Alex Wright? Yeah. Alex Wright will probably go on IR, and maybe that's all they need is those two positions. Maybe that's all they need. I don't think that they... They probably aren't going to put Denzel Ward on, on short-term IR with a concussion because you have to no. stay on there for four games, not just four weeks, but four games played from the time that you go on. So Alex Wright, Jordan Kunashik, and maybe one more. Maybe one more. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Because yeah. Kevin said Taki Taki and Walker would be ready for week right. one. So even if even if he... I don't think Kevin would say that if he didn't believe it would happen. I mean, right. even if he's a little off on that, you're still looking week two, week three, so right. not four games. Right. But the point is, the takeaway with those two guys, Mo and Michael is, they, they will be back here. And people don't have to, you know, freak out about them being gone or Austin Watkins being gone or some of these other guys because we will see them driving through the parking lot by tomorrow. Peel- by Wednesday. Peeling out during one of I'm our videos. Out. I'm just picturing them sitting at the Dunkin' Donuts on Front Street, just sitting there having, you know, some nice black coffee, some of those little hash browns they have, and then rolling into Berea once they get the call. I mean, the one really quick thing, Dan, that I wanted to add about Mo Hurst, and on top of having a really good preseason, um, from talking to him in the spring, like, I think, too, what maybe gets lost with his career a little bit is he has a very good understanding of this system because it was basically the same system he played in in San Francisco. His D-line coach, Chris Kacarek, there is a Jim Schwartz mentee. He was his D-line coach when Jim was the head coach um, in Detroit. So he has a very, very good, I think, understanding that his teammates have really quickly come to respect. I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson was like, most the guy we go to if we have any questions. So, like, it totally makes sense to me why he is ultimately one of these guys they want to go back and they don't have to worry about him being subject to waivers. One other guy, you did mention a name. Like another guy I just want to discuss very quickly um, is Denzel Ward. That it's his fourth concussion. Um, there, his the one his rookie year, the second one his rookie year was pretty serious. It mm-hmm. kept him out for a little while. I think it was the second one. Maybe it was the first, one of those two. His rookie year. You know, we we obviously can't talk to Denzel. He's in the concussion protocol. Um, locker room's not open anyway, even if we wanted to and we're allowed to. So. I don't know, Mary Kay, is this something that, is this something to keep an eye on or like, do we just think Denzel will be back like nothing, like nothing was wrong in, in a week or two? Well, you know, I think everyone now takes concussions very, very seriously and safety and long-term health is the most important thing for these guys. And when you've had a concussion before, you are more susceptible, susceptible to the next one. And a lot of times you end up staying out a little bit longer the next time until you can get back to your baseline. And when you look at Deshaun, I mean, Denzel from last year, he's, he remained out for three weeks because he kept having recurring headaches. And if you have any kind of symptoms like that, it sets you right back. So, you know, nobody knows how this is going to go for him yet. You know, I, I think the opener is in jeopardy. I really do. Because... That would have been about 12, 13 days or so yeah. from when he suffered the concussion. And because he's because it is his fourth one, it could take him a little while to get back to baseline. But certainly it's a concern to be on your fourth head injury. Yeah, I mean, Ashley, it's – I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, what Denzel's thinking. Um, he's, he's obviously a real quiet guy. I don't know if a lot of people kind of, you know, outside of whatever his circle looks like, kind of know what, what's going, you know, on in his mind. But, like – He's gotten paid. He's been in the league. I don't know. I don't know if he's 
has that existential crisis here where he has to figure out what's next in his football career. Or again, if he's just, you know, once he kind of clears, he's back out there playing football like we know he can. I think it's so tough, too, because like when you think of Denzel Ward, his style is like this ultra physical style for a cornerback. And it's like to me, in order to prevent this and knowing like, yeah, when you get one hand injury, you're more susceptible to the next one and so on and so on. It's like, do you change your entire style of play that's kind of like made you who you are? I mean, it is like a deep existential to, question if you're to a that, player. I mean, just to that point real quick, yeah. I mean, his most famous play isn't an interception yeah. or a pass breakup. It's a hit. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of who we're, who we're dealing with here. It's not a prototypical cornerback. It's part of what makes him so good. Um, so I don't, I'm really curious. I mean, in the long term of his career, I'm very curious what all this is going to mean, how we're maybe going to see things change for him with how he plays, if at all. Um, I definitely think it's something to keep an eye on. But like you said, Dan, it's hard like when we don't know the extent of, of what he's feeling and you can't talk to these guys when they're in the protocol. So um, in some ways it's speculation, but I do think like it is important to note like this is when you play like that, which is part of what makes him so good, The it's a double-edged sword. The flip side of that becomes, okay, you're more prone to head injuries. Okay. Well, we ended on a real downer here. But uh, the Browns back on the practice field today. Um, I'm looking at the video screen in the lobby right now. It says sharp week and has a picture of an axe. I don't know what that means. Mm, we got to get to the bottom of that. We have to look shark, shark week. Do we know when shark week is? Like, do, I don't is know. Shark week still a thing? It's time to look sharp. I guess. I it's time. Know. Well, I wore a t-shirt today and shorts, so I did not look sharp. <laughs> um, but anyway, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Podcast. Follow us on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk. Uh, find us on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com. Become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland Browns. Cleveland.com slash Browns. The blue banner at the top of the page. Just to, I am. It is not Sharp Week for me at all. <laughs> the blue banner at the top of the page at Cleveland.com slash Browns to get the newsletter. Access to those stories and become one of our text subscribers as well. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.